motherhood is a divine partnership. God's in the business of partnering with people. He could have established it to be any way that he wanted. When he wanted to write the Bible, he partnered with 40 different people. When he wanted to deliver his people from the bondage and slavery of Egypt, he partnered with Moses and with Aaron. When he wanted to deliver his people from the place of bondage to the place of promise and provision, he partnered with Joshua and Caleb. When he wanted to preserve his people from evil plans, had to destroy them, he partnered with a woman named Esther. When he wanted to preach the word of God, the word to call to repentance to the people of Nineveh, he partnered with a whale and with Jonah. When he wanted to bring about the plan of salvation and redemption, not to build an organization or a denomination, but to rescue sons and daughters back into a relationship with him through the Lord Jesus Christ, he partnered with a woman, his spirit and a woman, a simple Jewish teenage girl named Mary. He's still partnering with women to bring about his purposes. He's still partnering with moms to bring about the next generation of people who will know and love and serve God and fulfill his plans and purposes for our life. The, the womb of a, of a woman is a sacred place. For you created, Psalm 139, 13 says, you created my inmost being, you knit me together. God knit you together in your mother's womb. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, I knew you, God knew you before he formed you where in your mother's womb. Moms are important to the plans and the purposes of God. Dads are involved, moms are committed, right? God knew what he was doing, guys, right? I, I mean, I really believe it. If guys had to go through even a fraction of what a woman has to go through to bring a life into the world, three generations later, I give it at tops, we'll be extinct, right? Like, guys, God knew what he was doing. And we're grateful for you moms. You know that something is gonna be challenging when it begins with two to 20 hours of something called labor, right? Perhaps no role in life is so aligned with the heart and the nature of Christ than motherhood. Selfless, sacrificial, servanthood, giving of yourself giving consideration to the preferences and the needs and the desires of others above your own. Perhaps no role in life is so aligned with the heart and the nature of Christ as motherhood. God is partnering still with moms. When he wanted to bring about the plan of salvation, he partnered with a mom. He's still partnering with moms to advance the purposes of his kingdom. John chapter two, we're gonna read about a mom and a miracle. Jesus had a mom, and in John chapter two, you're gonna see just how instrumental just how instrumental she was in his ministry and in the first miracle that he performed that we know of at the wedding of Cana. But before we get into God's word, let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us through the preaching of God's word today. Let's ask God to strengthen us through the preaching of God's word today. And I'll pray corporately, but right where you are, would you pray individually and uniquely? Just invite the Lord. Just tell him that you're listening to what he wants to say to you. He knows your unique circumstances, your unique situations the opportunities and the opposition or obstacles that you're up against. And today, let's just commit. We're here to do more than just come to church on Mother's Day. We're here to do more than just kind of check that off our list. We want to meet with and hear from the living God. And so, Father, let's, let's just begin to pray. Father, we thank you, God, for this precious opportunity, this precious congregation. It's a privilege, God, to be in your house with your people and your presence and now with your promises, Lord, that we find from your word today. 
God, we ask, we thank you, God, in advance. We say, Lord, that we're expectant that you would speak to us. And Lord, I thank you that you would also, Lord, anyone who's here and they're weak or weary, maybe tired or wounded or hurting or doubting or questioning any area of their life, God, we thank you that today you would use this moment, use an imperfect preacher, an imperfect message, Lord, to do what only a perfect father could do, bring healing, bring hope, bring strength, bring freedom, bring comfort, bring joy, bring courage and faith for the future that every one of us have in Christ Jesus, and it's in the name of Jesus. Come on, we pray. If you'll receive any or all of that for yourself, give the Lord a big amen. Amen. All right, so John chapter two, we're gonna read quite a bit of it, verse one through verse 11. I'm gonna unpack some things that as I just was going back and restudying this passage that speaks of Jesus' mom and her important role in his ministry and in this miracle, just some things that jumped off the page. I wanna encourage you with some truths. The context is Mother's Day and motherhood, but I think you'll find that there are some principles that are applicable to the life of every believer, man or woman, young and old, amen? All right, so John chapter two, verse one, it says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. And Jewish weddings were something different, by the way. They would often last several hours, but then the the reception would last seven days. Seven days. So that's a lot of wine, right, that would be needed over that that course of time. And I don't know where they are in this process, but they've run out of wine, okay? Because verse 3 says, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And I don't know, maybe the first miracle that Jesus performed is not what he's about to do, but surviving talking like that to a woman in his life, right? It's interesting, if if you have the New Living Translation, they added the word dear woman there. One of the more recent modern translations, the translators wisened up and said, if Jesus was without sin, he couldn't have just said, woman, what does this have to do with me? So that translation says, dear woman, what does this have to do with me? Because my hour has not yet come. Catch that. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification. Just kind of mark that right there, that these water pots that Jesus is about to use for this miracle were for the were religious rituals, the rites of washing of purification. And it says each held 20 or 30 gallons. So these were big pots, right? And Jewish, or Jesus rather said to the servants, fill the jars with water and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water that had now become wine, and he did not know where it came from, though the servants who drew the water knew what would happen, where it had come from, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then they bring out the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. And this is the first of his signs that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. All right, so let's draw out some truths from this powerful passage, which shows us just how instrumental Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in his ministry and in this miracle. Moms are vitally important to the mission and the plans of God. And here's what we see is that Jesus honored his mom even when it didn't line up with his preference or his plans. Did you catch what he said? He said, it's not my time yet. He had a perception, he had a perspective, he had a plan about when he was going to begin his earthly ministry. But he honored, I think that Jesus realized something 
that he realized I'm God and I wrote the 10 commandments and the, uh, the command to honor your father and your mother is so important to the heart of God, it made it on his top 10 list. Did you know that? Number four, honor your father and mother. Uh, it's, they're all important, right? But interestingly enough, honor your father and mother is listed one commandment above thou shalt not murder. I just think God's saying it's important to honor your father and mother. And maybe it's because in our culture we've seen the absence of or the turning away from the honoring of parents and authority figures in our life. Maybe that's why some of the things further down the list are happening more rampantly in our culture. And Jesus realized something right here. He said, I had an idea about when this was going to happen and how this was going to go. But I'm the God who reached down and wrote, honor your father and mother, and said in the book of Ephesians that it's the first commandment with a promise. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, Ephesians 6.1. Honor your father and mother, it's the first commandment with a promise. In other words, it's not just a commandment that will keep you from experiencing things in life. If you'll commit to do this, it will actually bring some blessing into your life. That it may go well with you, that's the promise, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Jesus is honoring his mom. Do you remember back in Luke chapter two? I'll paraphrase for time's sake a little bit this morning, but you remember in Luke chapter two, the Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph, parents of Jesus, would take Jesus every year to the temple in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And one year when he was 12, Luke chapter two tells us, they had taken Jesus to the temple to celebrate Passover, and then it says they were headed back, they were headed back to Nazareth, and it says that about three days later, they realized they had left Jesus in Jerusalem. Come on. How do you forget Jesus? They left him in Jerusalem. Come on, to anyone who has ever lost your kid in the grocery store, the Walmart, or forgot to pick him up at sports practice or whatever, there's hope for you. It happened to Mary and Joseph too. Not three hours, three days somehow they went without realizing, is Jesus with you? No, is he with you? I thought he was with you. I thought he was with you. No, he's not here. And they circled back and they went back to Jerusalem. And you remember what the Bible says? They found him preaching and teaching with tremendous results in the temple of God. And, and here's, the, here's the powerful principle that lies within that. At the age of 12, which is how old Jesus was here, that's when a Jewish boy would typically step into his father's business. And remember what he said to Mary and Joseph? He said, wouldn't you know that I would be here doing my father's business? But I don't know about you, I think that if I was them, I, this is how it would have looked after three days and after Jesus not saying where he was and after three days coming back to get him, I think they probably grabbed him by the ear and said, not today, young man, you're going back to Nazareth with us. And Jesus, watch what it says, watch this. This is clear, I'm going somewhere with this. Luke 2, verse 51. So Jesus went to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. His mother treasured these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Jesus had a mom, and Jesus honored his mom in this story. Jesus honored his parents. Let me encourage you with something. Jesus was perfect, spotless, blameless, sinless. He still honored his imperfect, sinful parents. And if Jesus can do it, how much more can we? Some of us had imperfect parents. Some of us, Mother's Day is even a reminder of some of the pain or the imperfection that we experienced in our upbringing. The absence, the hurt, the pain, the neglect, the abuse, verbally, sexually, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it was for you. Sometimes we need to remember that these times of celebration for those of us who were blessed, come on, blessed, if you had a God-fearing, good, present mom, you need to be thankful. But we need to also remember that for some people today, these days like this, are not filled with so much joy. But my encouragement to you is this. 
Remember that there are no perfect parents and ask God for the grace to find a way to somehow in some way honor and appreciate them. They might not have done hardly anything for you. They might have even created some stumbling blocks or some tripping points you've had to overcome in life but they were used by God to bring you into this life. There's a way, there's a, there's a how, there's a grace that you can have to find a way to honor them and to forgive them. When you forgive people that hurt you, it does not make them right, it just makes you free. Jesus honored his parents. He was blameless, spotless, perfect. He, he, he showed us what it looked like. He had a different idea, a different plan, a different timeline kind of mapped out for how he would do his ministry. And yet he surrendered and submitted to his, the, the leadership of his parents. And it says that he grew in wisdom and favor and stature with God and with man. That's the promise for those of us who will choose to honor and appreciate our father and our mother. Number two, the principle that I want to draw out is that this miracle involved the creation of wine. Something that generally takes months or even years to do it very well. And I read that and the Lord just spoke to me that today what God wants to encourage you and remind you with, some of you have been struggling with something, some, some of you have been trusting for something, some of you have been hoping for something, and that today I believe that the Lord wanted me to encourage you and remind you that one word from God, one moment with God, one touch from God can shift things, transform things, heal things, forgive things beyond what any process of the world or system of the world can ever do. Some you might think, man, but I really committed the sin and I've got to serve the sin. It's no, you don't. One, one moment of the forgiveness of God can set you completely free from the guilt and the shame and the condemnation of that sin. What, one, one word from God can bring faith or hope for your future. You're, you're fearful about stepping out and stepping into relationships again or into serving again or whatever it is that God's calling you to step out in faith today. One word from God can cause you to have the faith and the courage and the grace and the strength to begin to step out again. Why normally it takes months or even years and Jesus performed it. Jesus turned it from water into wine in just a moment how did that happen? Because Mary said, did you catch what she said? She, she looked around. Jesus said, dear woman, this is not my time. And she didn't argue. She didn't fuss. She just said, just do what he says to do. For some of us, our breakthrough is tied to following through on the same commitment, on the same principle just hearing and doing what Jesus tells you to do. She said, just listen to him and obey. Just listen to him and obey. We might not like what God has initially said or spoke or, or is calling us to. It may conflict with our preferences or our opinions, but the breakthrough in your life, the breakthrough in your marriage, in your family is almost always tied to listening. God, what are you calling me to do? Even if it kind of runs against what I have previously thought I would do or what my flesh, come on, somebody desires to do, I'm going to try my best and have the grace to listen and obey. Third thing is that Jesus was coming right from the start as he performed this miracle, water into wine. He was coming to show us and establish that he was coming to shift everything from religion to relationship. Did you catch what it said? It said, take those pots over there, 20 to 30 gallons each, pots that were previously used for religious rituals and ceremonies, the religious washing that they had to do before they could go into the presence of God. 
And I just think it's profound that he took these things that were previously used to cause us to be made right and acceptable or prepare us to, to be able to even be a, approach the presence of God. And he said, I'm going to use those same vessels to now be completely transformed, to now become the host of something that's miraculously produced, this wine and not just any wine, the top shelf kind of wine. And in the Bible, wine represents joy. And I don't know about you, when I think about the Lord and what he's done for me, in spite of me, to make a way for me to have a relationship with my God, with my Father, there's a joy. It makes me want to shout. It makes me want to worship. It makes me want to sing. It makes me want to tell. It makes me want to go. It makes me want to give. There's a joy that we have because we've been set free from all the religious rules and regulations and all the rituals that were once required to be made right or right with or acceptable to or approved by God. And Jesus was coming to say right now, I'm doing away with all that. And there's going to be a joy that you have because you know that I'm come to make you healed and set free and restored to a relationship with your heavenly father. Joy is different than happiness. Happiness is kind of the term that we have in the world and happiness is tied to how things go. Joy is tied to who you know. That's good. Happiness is tied to how things go. It's circumstantial. I'm up one day, I'm down the next. It's tied to my bank account. How many followers do I have? Do they, did they like the social media posts? Whatever it is that you're drawing your happiness from today, I'm telling you that those things are fleeting and circumstantial. But when you begin to know, and I mean beyond your head and in your heart, what Jesus has done for you, there's a joy that is not easily stolen or taken from you. And it's different than happiness. They're related, but there's a joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your so when you're operating without joy, you're operating in a weakened condition. And Jesus says, I, I, I'm coming to produce supernatural joy. I, I, I've come to transform these religious things from religion to relationship. Not a denomination, not a congregation, not an organization, but a relationship with you. Then it said that they spoke to the servants. She said, listen, just listen and obey. And remember what they said next. They said, now draw some out. Fill the pots, now draw some out. Draw it out. They said, draw it out. And, and I read that, and I just jumped off the page, this reality that perhaps no other role in life requires the drawing out of one's own resources and strength and energy like motherhood. I mean, come on, don't you know being a mom is a commitment to constantly being available for someone to draw from? Your resources, your energy, your time, your strength. And I felt like the Lord wanted to come and appreciate that today. All the times and all the ways that you've made yourself available, all the times and all the places where you've allowed your kids and the kids of this church and people in your life to draw from you. And today the Lord wants to refill you. Man, mom, the mom life is just a different life, man. I see it with my beautiful wife, come on, help me honor Amity on Mother's Day right here. And... Love you, baby. She's wearing a shirt that says free mom hugs. If you need a mom hug, she's a good spiritual mom. Seriously. Seriously. I'll take a few of those later on too, by the way. Your Bass Pro gift card is in your inbox, by the way, too. So. One time there was a mom and a dad sitting and watching television. You kind of imagine it, right? After a long day, kids are in bed, they're sitting there kind of unwinding a little bit. And 
The mom says, uh, well, honey, I think I'm gonna go to bed. And so she gets up and she switches the laundry, wipes down the countertops, sets out the kids' clothes for school the next day, sets out the little kids' lunches to be packed the next morning, logs on to the account to deposit the money in the big kids' lunch account, emails the teacher, pays the bill online, feeds the dog, lets out the dog, brings in the cats. She made the coffee, brought in the dog, checked to see if the doors were locked, adjusted the thermostat, folded the last load of laundry, removed her makeup, washed her face, brushed her teeth, dried her hair, checked to see if the cars parked outside were locked, checked on each of the kids one last time, double-checked to see if the house doors were still locked, kissed her husband on the cheek, and then went to bed. As she kissed the husband on the cheek, he said, I think I'll go to bed too, and he did. I feel like that's just a partial list of the things that moms do. I saw this and made me laugh. Mom's recipe for iced coffee. Step one in the recipe, have children. Step two, make coffee. Step three, forget you made coffee while getting the kids out the door. Step four, find and drink your cold coffee. (laughs) It's really true. No role or function in life is perhaps more associated with the nature and the heart of Christ. Come on, selfless, sacrificial, serving the extra mile. Then moms, we honor you today. God sees what you've done, what you've poured out, what you are pouring out, what you will be pouring out. Again, in your own children and the children of this this church and this community, there are biological moms, there are spiritual moms. Both of the times that God's called us to move away from our biological families, to serve at a church that was geographically very far away from our biological families, God's been so faithful to put spiritual moms in our lives and grandmoms in our lives to help fill that gap. I can't tell you how big of a difference you can make as a spiritual mom. Look around this room and find someone, look for someone, watch for the Holy Spirit to to, to, to create a divine opportunity for you to begin to speak hope and speak life and tell someone, speak over someone that you see them, that you believe in them, that you're praying for them. Come on, ask them, how can I be praying for you? Biological moms, spiritual moms, God sees what you've poured out. God sees what, you, what you've gone through. God sees the ways you've sacrificed. And today, as the places that you've been drawn from, the places where, where you've given of yourself, he wants to fill you up. Number five, he said, fill those pots to the brim. And today, God wants to fill you up with his living water that causes you to never thirst again. John 4, verse 13, Jesus said, whoever, everyone who drinks this water, speaking of earthly water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. God wants to fill you up today. To the, to the moms who are tired, who are weak, who are weary, who are maybe just kind of like, man, I just need to be refreshed. I need to be renewed. Stop looking to the things or the places or the people of this world. You gotta get in the presence of God. He wants to fill you up. He wants to grace you and equip you for what he's called you to do. The enemy's always trying to cause us to be feel overwhelmed, to feel isolated, to feel weak, weary, or discouraged. And you can feel those things, but you can't afford to stay in those things. Second Samuel, rather, chapter 17. This is a, a powerful passage that reveals the demonic plan of the enemy to try to take us out. And it's the passage where Absalom, the son of David, who's attempting to overthrow, he's trying to, to bring a coup against David to overthrow his kingdom and to insert himself into the kingship. And he's getting demonic advice from a man named Ahithophel. 
And in verse one and two of chapter 17 of 2 Samuel, here's what it says. Just watch this. See if you can see a pattern that the enemy of your soul is still using to try to take you out. Watch what he said. This is the advice he's saying. This is how you could take David out. A mighty man after God's heart, right? He said, let me choose 12,000 men. He's gonna try to overwhelm you, overwhelm you. And, And sometimes we can even begin to realize that we're feeling overwhelmed by things we've even been praying for for all of our life. Because almost every blessing can become a burden if we're doing it in our own strength. You prayed for the job, you prayed for the opportunity, you prayed for the promotion, you prayed for the kids, you prayed for this, you prayed for the influence, prayed for the ministry, you prayed for people to ask you to, to do the thing, or you prayed for, for the opportunity, and, and, and you begin to look up and say, I'm feeling overwhelmed by these things. And, and he says, I'll choose 12,000 men, I'll try to overwhelm him, and watch, it says, I will rise and pursue David and I, I'll come upon him while he's weary and discouraged, and throw him into a panic, and all the people who are with him will flee. He said, come at him when he's weary and discouraged. Did you know that the enemy is, is strategic and opportunistic? That he's looking for the place where you're a little bit tired and weak and weary or discouraged, and that's the very moment he's gonna try to come into your life to trip you up and take you out. And he said, all the people who are with him will flee. He's also on a full-scale attack to get you isolated from, from God and from other believers. And, and so the enemy, this is demonic advice that the, the, the enemy is using or introducing to Absalom to try to take David out. It's the same pattern that he uses today. He tries to get us to feel overwhelmed. He tries to cause us to feel discouraged and tired, weak and weary. He tries to get us isolated because he can take out the one who gets isolated from the herd, right? And look around, come on, this is your tribe. This is your herd. This is your pack. These are your people. Don't allow yourself to get isolated from what God is doing in the community of faith known as Rev City Church. Come on, stay connected. Stay in the fold. There's protection to be found there. In 1 Kings 19 also, last passage I want to take us to today, I think is that there's some powerful encouragement for moms and for anyone who maybe finds themselves in a season where you're discouraged. You can afford to be discouraged, but you cannot afford to stay discouraged. We're all gonna face discouragement in life at some point. You can afford to feel lonely or isolated, but you cannot afford to remain isolated and lonely. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we find a passage that tells of the great man of God, the mighty prophet Elijah, after he has just defeated 450 of the evil prophets of Baal. But now there's one woman named Jezebel and her husband Ahab who are threatening to now, in retribution, come after Elijah. And here's what it says. It says in verse four, that Elijah's rotting in fear because of this threat of retribution. And it says, he went himself a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and sat under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. For I'm no better than my father's. And watch what, watch what, what happens. I, I mean, God, God starts to show up. In, in, in some supernatural ways and in some very simple practical ways, all right? And, and I, I don't know about you, but I think it's actually interesting that when he got into this place, this funk, this place where it was kind of like, man, God, I don't know that I can even go on. I, I, think it's a, I think it's powerfully important to encourage you. When, you're be, when you feel those things, you ought to do the same thing, direct that conversation to God. When you get in the wilderness, be careful who you're communicating with. And he's at least, he's going through this real, real discouragement, a real scheme of oppression. These are not religious words in a, in a religious book. This is an account of a man who's really struggling. He said, God, I, I'm at the end of myself. I don't know if I can make it. I've been serving you and doing what you called me to do. 
And now I'm just like, oh man, I don't, I don't know if it's worth going on. And, and watch what it says. It says, as he lay under the broom tree, watch what it says, verse five, he slept. And as he slept, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Catch this, verse six. Watch this. Again, sometimes God shows up in very profound ways. Sometimes there's just a simple recipe to kind of get back on track with God, right? And it says in verse six, then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals in a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and then he lay down and took another nap. Did you catch that? The angel showed up. He said, God, I, 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 I don't know if I can make it. And the angel shows up and he says, take a nap and eat a snack. <laughs> and he brings him a cake. Come on, I, know, I, I just knew that carbs were of the Lord. Someone say amen. <laughs> he says, take a nap and eat a snack. And after he had taken a nap and eaten a snack, the angel of the Lord came back, verse seven, and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And, and you know, it's, I mean, this is God speaking right here to him. The, the journey's too great for you. You know what? The things that God has called you to do, they are too great, they are too big, they are beyond your ability to do them in your own strength. Moms, God has a way of calling you to an assignment in life that requires you to desperately need, pursue, and depend upon him. It's too big, it's too great for you to do it in your own strength. What God's called me to do, I mean, come on, really, every seven days, get up here and have something life-changing, hopefully entertaining to say for 42 minutes of your life and your day, come on. It's impossible for me to do it, it requires me. I can't do it in my own strength. I've gotta desperately depend upon him. What is it that God's called you to do? Maybe the place where you're tired, weak, and weary, and wounded is the place where he's saying, would you just come back and depend upon me? Quit trying to do it in your own strength. He says, it's too great for you. It's too great for us. Singularly, it's impossible. But what's the Bible say? With God, all things are possible. It says he went into a cave. He spent the night in that place. The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been zealous for the Lord God of hosts. I've been doing what you called me to do. I've been, I've been serving. I've been giving. And the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. But everyone around me doesn't appreciate me. It's what he's saying. If that doesn't speak to the mom life right there, I don't know what does. I've been doing all these things and they don't appreciate me. And, and, he, and re, watch what he says, read on. And, and he says, they, they've forsaken your covenant, they've torn down your altars, they've killed your prophets, and he said, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. It wasn't true, if you read on, there was actually many, many people who were still serving God and who God calls alongside Elijah in this season. The enemy comes to try to isolate you, to try to think that you're alone, to try to think that what you're going through is unique to what anyone else is going through, and I'm telling you, it's not. And then he said in verse 11, go out and stand upon the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. A great and strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks in pieces. The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And the same is true today. Oftentimes, God wants to show up and speak to you in a still, small voice. But to hear his still, small voice, you've got to get into a still, quiet place. And as a mom, it's a challenge, right? So I've heard, <laughs> so I've seen. I mean, just as a person, right, it's a challenge to get in that quiet place to hear from God. And I'm telling you that today, God wants to speak to you. He wants to fill you up. He wants to refresh you. He wants to revive you. He wants to encourage you. Take some time. Eat some cake. Take a nap. 
And repeat, do it again. And then get in my presence to allow me to fill you up. First Peter 5, verse 10, we'll close here in a moment. Worship team, you can go ahead and come and help, me, help support the ministry time. It says, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by the means of Christ Jesus. And it says, after you've suffered a little while, he'll restore, support, strengthen you, and place you on a firm foundation. He says, my heart is to, in the places where I've called you to some things, restore, support, and strengthen you to keep your feet on a firm foundation. If you're a mom, he's called you. It's a divine partnership. He's called you. And he wants to strengthen you, restore you, support you. He has a way of gracing you to do the things that he's called and prepared for you to do. But we have to get in his presence. We have to seek out. We have to allow him to fill us up. Hebrews 13, verse 20 says it this way. May the God of peace, may he equip you, verse 21, with all you need for doing his will. What do you need to do God's will in this season of your life, in your marriage, in your family, raising your kids, raising your teenagers? Come on, pray for us. We got teenagers now. What do you need? He says, I'll equip you with all you need for doing his will. You don't have to do it in your own strength. The Bible says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are burdened, all who are heavy laden, I will give you strength. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know what a yoke is? You know what that is? Have you ever seen it? You see two oxen plowing a field and the yoke was the thing that, that coupled them together to provide for exponential strength and impact. But it was, a, it was a harnessing together. It was a coupling together, right? That's what a yoke was. And Jesus says, that's how I want to be with you. I want to be yoked with you. Where, where I go, you go. Where you go, I go. Where, where, when you get weak, I'm strong, right? Where when you get kind of tired in the, in, in the process of, of plowing and planting and sowing and reaping and harvesting the field of your life, your marriage, your family, your kids, I'm right there with you. You're yoked to me. We're going to keep on moving. I love, I'll close with this, the, the message translation of the same verse, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? It says, come to me. He says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. Watch what he says. He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. He says, walk with me, work with me. That's the message's kind of way of kind of extrapolating that truth about my yoke. He says, you're gonna walk with me, you're gonna work with me, you're gonna live with me, you're gonna, you're gonna parent with me, you're gonna love with me, you're gonna forgive with me, everything I've called you to do. He says, do it with me, stop doing it in your own strength. He says, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. And he says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting upon you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That sounds like a good life, right? Would you stand to your feet this morning? Every, everyone, moms, men, young adults. Lord, anyone in this place who's weak or weary, who's going through life in their own strength, who's at the end of themselves, just they're trying to serve you, they're doing all the things, they're doing all the stuff. I pray, Lord, that today, Lord, you would 
do what we just read about. You'd fill people up fresh and new, God, with your water, the water that causes us to never thirst again, the water that becomes to be, begins to become a, a river of life flowing in and out of us. And Lord, we just thank you for that today. I, we bless, come on, heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's just receive this. In fact, I wanna follow up on what Adrian was encouraging us with earlier. Let's just, if you're comfortable, lift your hands before God. It really is the international posture for surrendering our lives to God. But you know what's powerful about it is that in the same motion, we're also postured to receive from God. So God, with our hands lifted before you today, we say, Lord, we're sur we surrender, Lord. Our, our, our lives, our, fa our faith, our family, our future, our marriages, our children, raising those children, the busyness of life, all the things, Lord, we just surrender it to you, Lord. We surrender it to you, God. And in the same posture, Lord, we're saying, would you come and would you fill us up today? In the places where we're weak or tired or, 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 or hurting or weary, God, would you come and would you refresh us today, God? Would you come and would you remind us today that you've never called us to do it in our own strength? We're never alone. You're always with us right there. We're yoked with you, God. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you would just bless and fill, especially today, God, as we all respond corporately. Would you today, God, just in a fresh way, in a new way, in a special way, in a distinct way, Lord, would you bring refreshing and renewal and restoration, a fresh filling, God, to all the moms of the house, all the women in the house, all the ones who serve so sacrificially and given themselves, who, who we draw so much from, Lord, would you come and would you refill them today with your spirit, with your love, with your grace, God, for their life and, their, and the future they have in you. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed, your heads, your eyes closed. Just give people the opportunity to just respond without any distractions today as I give people the opportunity to come home to Christ. And if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, it's a free gift, it's a free gift, salvation. You don't get good to get God, you get God and then life starts to get good. He doesn't hold you at arm's length. He welcomes you with open arms. And the Bible says it's a free gift that we receive grace through faith. And so today, maybe you're here or joining us online and you're weighed down, man, weighed down. Each of us was at one point, sin, guilt, shame, the condemnation the enemy uses because of our real legitimate mistakes, missteps, sin. He beats us up, tries to keep us hindered from running the race that God's called and laid out before us. If that's you today, it's a free gift that you respond to and receive by faith. Or maybe you're here joining us online and you're a prodigal son or daughter. You once knew God, loved God, maybe even served God, but you've just drifted from God gotten caught up in the cares of this world, maybe made some bad choices. And today, if that's you, you're what the Bible describes as a prodigal son or daughter. And today, if that's you, the posture of the father towards you is the same as the father in that parable that Jesus himself told. It says that that father was eagerly looking for, longing for, anticipating and expecting the day when that wayward one would find his way and come back home. And that, that father didn't hold that wayward one who took a step back home at arm's length and hold him to an account for his mistakes or his misdeeds. He just welcomed him with open arms, threw a celebration, put a royal robe on his back and a royal ring upon his feet. That's the posture of the father towards you. His arms are wide open. He's just saying, would you come back home into a relationship with me? Yeah, there's some stuff. We'll worry about that later through the context of a relationship restored 
through the cross of Jesus Christ. So if that's you, you're in either one of those camps or anywhere in between, right now this is your moment. Don't wait, don't delay, be bold. Lift your hand high towards heaven. Lift it up high and boldly as an outward sign of an inward work that God's doing in your life. Just say, that's me. I, I want to receive the free gift of salvation. I want to be made new, washed clean, totally forgiven today of every sin, every mistake, all my past, all of it washed away. Today, I want to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Those are just a few of the things that the Bible says are happening in your life right now for those of you who have lifted your hands. If you lifted your hands, come on, many precious people are doing it, responding to Christ, coming home to their Father. You can lower them in this room and online. You can lower them. And now everyone look around. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer with these people. So an amazing group of people came home to Christ today. We pray this prayer with them for two reasons every week, right, church fam? Because we want to come alongside them and help them to know that there's a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ who are gonna stand with them, help them, encourage them, strengthen them. If they stumble, like inevitably we all did in our journey of faith, we're gonna help them get up, keep moving forward. And it also reminds us every week that we never graduate from grace, right? That's why we pray this prayer together. We never graduate from grace. And so let's pray it together. Come on, I mean, it was, it's really special what God's doing in this place today uniquely in, in the lives of many people. Pray this prayer, let's pray with some fresh boldness today on Mother's Day, come on. Repeat after me, say, Father in Jesus' name. I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, come on, say this loudly. I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Now rejoice with all of heaven. Come on. 